0: Hello there. We greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and we thank God for being able to have conversation as far as another Bible study is concerned. What a blessed joy it is for us to come together again as we continue our study as far as Philippians, uh, the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. And as we prepare, as far as this time of study is concerned, I'm very excited today as we continue to try to work through uh, this particular rendering. And of course, we want to focus today on verses 15 through 20. Verses 15 through 20. And so as we look at verses 15 through 20, uh, I want to read that for your hearing and then, of course, let's uh, circle some key words as far as that's concerned. But before we get started, let us do this. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, since it is seeking what it is the Lord will want to do for the time that is ours. God, we come and we thank you for this wonderful opportunity to engage as far as this time of study is concerned. And we pray, O God, that by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit, that you will be in our midst. You, the wonderful teacher, the master rabbi, teach us your precepts and let your word be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathways so that ultimately, whatever we do, you will get the glory, you will get the honor, and you will get the praise. Show yourself mighty and strong, O God, in this moment. And we shall bless your name for that. It is in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. And we claim it done. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's look at um, this this uh, time together because basically Paul is really addressing, dealing with two particular things. He is dealing with, number one, wanting us to understand what it means to Follow him as an example of what you and I should be as far as our walk with God is concerned. And so we pick up on verse 15 for today. Verse 15 for today. And let's start with this reading. And I'm going to have you to circle some key words and uh, underline some key phrases. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, I want you to underline the word mature, to underline the word mature. Have this mind. I want you to highlight the phrase, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Verse 16 Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. I want you to highlight the words, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. I want you to highlight the phrase, let us be of the same mind. And I want you to underline the word mind. As a matter of fact, I want you to circle the word mind and then draw it back to the word, draw a line to the word mind in verse 15. Okay. Let's look at verse 17. Verse 17, Paul says, Brethren, join in following my example. Highlight the phrase, join in following my example. And note those who are so walk. Well, and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. Circle the word us and highlight um, and underline the word for a pattern. For as many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Jesus, underline the phrase, the enemies of the cross of Jesus. In verse 19, whose end is destruction, I want you to highlight the phrase, end is destruction. And put a small one over in its destruction. Highlight the phrase whose God is their belly. Put a little two over whose God is their belly. And number three, whose glory is in their shame. Put the three over whose glory is in their shame. Who set their minds on earthly things. Verse 24, our citizenship is in heaven from which also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 21, highlight this whole verse. Who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the workings by which he is able to subdue all things unto himself. So, this is a lot right here, and I want to be intentional as far as unpacking this because when we look at verses um, 15 and 16, Paul is giving a great exhortation um, and urging Christians to live a life that is pleasing to God. In other words, this is a call to the pursuit, to the pursuit of of being Christ-like. Notice the word mature here basically is the same thing as becoming perfect. All right. One mark of spiritual maturity is for you and I to become Christ-like. All right. And so Paul here is um, appealing to maturing believers who share his ambition. He is trusting God to make things clear to those who don't agree with him. I would dare say that too many of us live below our exalted position in Christ. And this is what Paul is trying to push. So uh, let me dig deeper as far as this moment is concerned. Because guess what? Paul, in this particular writing, or in this particular rendering, is really driving home the idea that you and I are really called to be Christ-like. Notice what he says. Let us, therefore, as many who are, in the King James Version, it says perfect. In the New King James Version, it says mature. Okay? Now, I'm going somewhere with this because I want you to understand that really what Paul is saying is that you and I ought to be growing toward perfection or maturity. It is not perfection in the sense of never, ever making a mistake. It is us growing and becoming better day by day, moment by moment, as mature Christians becoming more Christ-like. Now, how does this maturity take place? It's seen in three things. This is going to bless you, and I want you to write this down. It is in our character... It is in our conversation, it's in our conduct. Three C's, character, conversation, conduct. Character is who you are when nobody else is paying attention. That's who you really are. Conversation, of course, is our talk. Conduct is our behavior. All three of those things are integrated in such a way that they describe our integrity. Okay? The interesting thing is that as we mature in Christ, our character, conversation, and conduct become more aligned. There is no um, uh, incongruity as far as the character, conversation, and conduct. Unfortunately, we have some people where when you look at their character, conversation, and conduct, some stuff just don't line up. And that is a person who is not really as integrated as they should be, and because they're not as integrated as they should be, they're gonna have some integrity issues. All right, now, how does this happen? And how do you, I, you and I become more mature in Christ? First of all, there are three understandings of who we are as human beings when it comes to the kingdom. The first one is the natural aspect of who we are. The natural aspect this is the person who has not confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, who has not been saved. Uh, who continues to dwell in the dead sinful state that's the natural person that's the fleshly person the second one is the carnal or the worldly person the carnal or the worldly person watch this has confessed jesus christ as savior but you have not really followed him as lord all right i want you want you to follow me you, you said yes to Jesus. I want you to be my Savior, but I don't want, I don't want to do everything you tell me to do. So, so, so Paul dealt with this as far as the Corinthian Christians were concerned because he talked about how you all are drinking milk. I can't even give you the meat of the word because you're too carnal. You're too worldly. So they've confessed Jesus a Savior, but they're not really doing everything Jesus wants them to do. But then, lastly, there is the spiritually maturing person who can interpret the things of God. Why? Because the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is in control of your life. I'm hoping this is helping somebody, which basically means that I can confess Jesus Christ as my Savior not totally follow him as my Lord, and I'm going to miss out on reaping the deep benefits of being in an integrated relationship with him. The problem with a lot of folks in church is you're just happy to get a get out of hell free card, you're just happy to be saying, Okay, I'm gonna go to heaven, but it really causes you to miss out on the dynamic impact and influence that God wants to do with you and through you here on earth this is where you fall short this is why you can't fulfill your purpose because you're not allowing for the Holy Spirit to lead and direct you Jesus saved me but Jesus don't tell me what to do Jesus saved me but don't tell me how to live out my relationships Jesus, I want you to save me, but I really don't want to pray for my enemies. Jesus, I want you to save me, but I really don't want to love those who don't love me back. Jesus, I want you to save me, but now you can't tell me what to do with my money. Jesus, I want you to save me, but you can't tell me how I should serve. It doesn't work like that. And and, and while Jesus can save you, here's what I want you to understand. You miss out on the, the tremendous fulfillment of the abundant life in the here and now when you allow for him to save you, but you don't allow for him to lead you. You allow for him to save you, but you don't want him to be your Lord. The reason that Paul was able to make this shift was because for him, Jesus became both Lord and Savior. Okay? Now, if you would follow the flow as far as the text is concerned, because it says, let us, as many as are mature, as many as are mature, which means that Paul wasn't the only spiritually mature person, that there were others who were maturing spiritually, who were developing their Christian walk. That There were others in the family of faith that was allowing the Holy Spirit to guide their lives, reform their character, change their conversation, um, uh, uh, improve their conduct. They were applying the word of God to their lives. They had not arrived, but they were heading in the right direction. That is what maturity is all about. That's what maturity is all about. So what I want you to understand that as a new convert, you are a child and you start maturing to adulthood. But now check this out. The maturity of a believer though, is not based on the number of years you have been saved. The maturity of the believer, I'm getting ready to bless somebody, is evidence by your shift from salvation to sanctification that's a shout right there your maturity is predicated upon how fast you can f- move from just being happy to be s- about being saved to growing and maturing in Christ which is why you can have someone who has been in the faith for five years that is more spiritually mature than someone who has been coming to church for 50. Let me press my claim. Paul is saying, and we pick up in verse 15, if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal this even to you. Paul wants us to understand that not everybody in the church thought that Paul was this super great guy. There were some folks who had another perspective of Paul. Um, there were some folks who thought Paul wasn't all that. One thing I discovered about being a pastor is that the enemy will always make sure that there's some folks who have an anti-leader spirit. I ain't talking about those who disagree with me periodically i'm not talking about those that don't ne- that 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 don't necessarily see eye to eye with me all the time i am talking about folks who always disagree with somebody in leadership they're always known for saying something negative they're always known for criticizing Always. Now, here's the thing that I really like about Paul because Paul wants us to understand that as he's probably saying, yeah, I'm I'm not spiritually mature. I got some things that the Lord is working on in me. Paul probably has some folks in the background going like, yeah, you sure do. Paul probably has some folks that when there was a vote about whether or not they should send him a love offering while he was in jail at Philippi, somebody was probably saying, "Why well, he need the money, he in jail. He, he, get, in th- he, get, he th- get three squares and a cot, he doing fine. There, there were some people who were listening to the Judaizers and they were more concerned about works than they were about relationship. All right. Now, since Paul was keenly aware of these folks, Paul knew that although his fleshly side didn't really want to deal with them, the spiritual side meant he had to minister to them just like he would those who supported him. That is a sign of spiritual maturity. A sign of spiritual maturity is when you can minister to folks You can serve folks who you know don't like you, who you know talk about you, who you know dog you out. That takes the Holy Spirit, and it requires the Holy Spirit to convict you. I remember at my last church that there was this woman who just vehemently opposed me. I mean, she was talking about me not only throughout the church, but also throughout the community. And she just had just issues with me. And one time she stood up in a church meeting and said some derogatory things about me, and that's when I knew the Holy Ghost was real, because I didn't cuss her out, even though my mind was saying, "Go for it." The Spirit was saying, "Shut up." That's when you know the Holy Ghost is real. And so lo and behold, she stood up in church and said, and I never will forget these words, pointed her finger at me and said, you ain't nothing but hired help. You don't tell us what to do around here. I said, and you are out of order. Next person, please. Well, a couple of days later, I get a phone call that this woman is in the hospital. And the fleshly side of me was like, I ain't going to see her. And the Lord was like, yes, you are. This is, when, this is when Jesus has to be Lord to you. The fleshly side was arguing with God. I'm going like, I am not going to see this woman. And the Lord is saying, yes, you are. And I said, I ain't going by myself. And the Lord said, that's fine. Get somebody to go with you, but you're going to see her and you're going to demonstrate my grace to her I told Lord I didn't want to and lo and behold I got one of the deacons to go with me and unfortunately this woman she was in a psychiatric ward at the time and I had to go see her and I had to at that time even though my flesh was like oh no I don't want to do this the spiritual side of me The spiritually mature side was like, yeah, you need to do this because it's the right thing to do. I want to dare say, I want to dare say, let me help you. If you don't get anything else out of this lesson today, spiritual maturity is when you do the right thing, even though you don't want to do the right thing. That requires spiritual maturity. Let me say that again. That requires spiritual maturity. And the reason why we don't get a lot of things done as far as kingdom is concerned is because we get in our feelings instead of doing the right thing because it needs to be done. Okay? I tell folks all the time, I said, if I allow for what folks say, get me in my feelings, I'll never preach a sermon. I'll never come to the office. I would never engage in ministry. i never make a phone call. I'd never go try to do visitations. Spiritual maturity requires you doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do. All right. So, 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 so here, here, here is, here is, here is how Paul, was. Paul said, listen, I know they don't like me, but because I am maturing, I can minister to folks who don't particularly care for me. Paul didn't love them any less. That requires the Holy Spirit. And Paul realized that one of the issues in doing ministry was to guide those who are misguided. <laughs> You don't mistreat misguided people wrong in our midst. Okay? Even though the fleshly part wants to go off, the spirit part needs to build up. So when they come with you with a frown, you show a smile. When they say negative things about you, you have to be encouraging, and that requires the Holy Spirit. Because you cannot do that on your own. When we look at verse 16, as we continue to walk through this text, Paul wants us to understand, nevertheless, to the degree that they have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us be of the same mind. Paul wants us to understand that he was not going to spend his time debating a bunch of issues here's what the enemy likes the enemy loves it when we get caught up in arguments the enemy loves it when we spend more time yapping and debating about who's right or wrong when there are so many things that needs to be done jesus did same thing with mary and martha martha Jesus came to the house, and Martha was trying to state her case because Mary was sitting at his feet, taking in, learning, and Martha was in the kitchen cooking. And Jesus basically said, oh, Martha, you worry worry too much. (laughs) Mary has chosen the better part. Jesus didn't debate with Martha. He just simply revealed what's better. There are times when we settle for the average of mediocrity when we could be doing what is best notice something that Paul says here he says let us walk by the same rule that's a military term Paul did not want them focusing on other folks job he wanted them to focus on the battle in other words he's saying I want you to stay in line I want you to know you can't be successful in this battle if you're not attentive if you're not alert if you're not on one accord Satan loves for church folks to fight and fuss because when we fight and fuss we're not moving in the same direction and the devil knows watch this The more we fuss, the less evangelism we do. The more we fuss, the less mission we do. The more we fuss, the less ministry we do. The more we fuss, the less teaching we do. The more we fuss, the less preaching we do. The more we fuss, the less good we do. So Paul is saying basically stay in line. Walk by the same rule. God will show you everything you need to know. And and when we rely on the word of God as our guide, eventually, even those who are misguided, if they have any semblance of who God is, will be brought back into line. All right. So that's the first two verses of this sharing tonight, and and today, and and this is why so many of us live below our exalted position in Christ, because we do more fussing and fighting than we do uh, walking by faith and building up. So let's look at verse seventeen. Because Paul is really dropping some major nuggets right here. Paul says, brethren, join in following my example. Paul did not hesitate to tell the Philippians to follow his pattern. Paul wanted them to imitate him as he imitated Christ. Now, Paul is not talking about, I want you to do everything the way that I do. I, you know, he's not talking about, I want you to wear the same thing I wear. I want you to put your hair the same way I have. No, Paul was just telling them that as I pursue Christ-likeness, I want you to do the same. Paul wasn't the type of preacher that said, do as I say and not as I do. In other words, Paul was living the sermons that he preached. He was living the lessons that he taught. He wanted the saints to use him as a pattern as he followed Christ. All right, this is what Paul is pushing. So even those of us who have been in the church for a long time, people are looking at us as patterns, as examples, as we follow who? christ look at verse 17 part b paul says and note those who so walk as you have us that word us mean i ain't the only one for a pattern my god here at saint paul we got a lot of folks who are patterns a lot of folks young and old a lot of folks educated and not so educated a lot of folks who, who got some things or who may not have much, who, but there are patterns for Christ's likeness Okay? Believers can pattern their lives, not only after Paul, but after the other saints. I mean, think about it. In the church of Philippi, they had Silas, they had Lydia, they had Epaphroditus, they had Timothy, they had whole lot of other folks that were dedicated to being like christ well well pastor how how can i determine who to follow and and who not i think psalms one gives us a good example and when this we hear this word blessed is the man i want to say and the woman Blessed is the man or woman who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sitters, nor sit in the seat of the scarf, but his life is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. In other words, when you grow in the grace and the knowledge of God, when you're imitating Christ, when you're becoming what God would have for you to be, there are just certain places you ain't going. There are just certain things you're not going to do. There are just certain people you ain't going to fellowship with. Why? Because you're living according to the book. All right? I ain't talking about looking down on anybody. But I am saying that when you walk into a situation, you change the situation or the condition rather than letting the situation or the condition change you. Let me say it again. You change the situation rather than letting the situation or the condition change you. Notice what else Paul is talking about here. Because Paul wants us to understand that you and I can't be fooled by folks' ability to recite Scripture and they don't live Scripture. It is the reciting of Scripture as well as the rehearsing of Scripture that makes you a disciple. It is you saying Scripture and living Scripture that makes you a disciple. It is your talk matching your walk. A great guest says, I'd rather see a sermon than to hear one any day. Paul then makes a shift to verse 17. He says, Listen, follow my example, follow the example of others, because guess what? There's some folks hanging out among you all that's faking, that's pretending, that's deceiving. There's some pretenders among you. They're enemies of the cross. There's some folks among you that ain't real. There's some folks among you whose name is on the church roll, but their name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. There are some folks among you that know church constitution and protocol, but they don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. There's some folks among us that may attend worship virtually, but don't know the Savior realistically. There are some folks among us that are active in ministry, but the Holy Spirit ain't active in their lives. Which is why we must understand that faith without works is dead, but works without faith is dead too. So Paul has a warning for the pretenders. Because this ain't the first time he has talked about pretenders. He talked about, he called them dogs. He said, watch them dogs. Because everywhere Paul went, he had to deal with pretenders. And really, unfortunately, it's the pretenders that keep you on your knees and pray. It's the pretenders that keep you close to God. It's the pretenders that get on your nerve, but they're the one to help you grow. Everywhere that Paul went to try to do the work of God, you had pretenders that were trying to pull it up. And that's just the devil's way. Satan is always trying to destroy something that God is trying to establish. Satan knows he can't destroy the church, but he would do all he can to stir up trouble in it. That's why Jesus said, listen, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against. It. didn't say that the gates of hell weren't coming. just said, ultimately, it ain't going to win. didn't set the gates of hell and all the imps and all the demons wouldn't create commotion and confusion but eventually they they just won't win so so Paul is letting the saints know again hey you got some pretenders in your midst you got some folks who you think know the lord but they really don't so let's look at how paul deals with it paul says first of all i'm gonna warn you about these pretenders and then we're gonna cry about these pretenders because notice what he says he says, for many walk of whom I told you often, and now I'm telling you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the what? Cross. Enemies of the cross of Christ. Paul in his soul is really crying over the fact that I got to tell you again about these pretenders. Because he really wants them to be saved from their sins. He wants them to taste the goodness of the Lord in the person of Jesus Christ. He did not want anybody to die in his or her sins and spend eternity in hell. Paul was weeping. Because he wanted to see people come to the saving knowledge and embrace of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He wanted the pretenders to stop pretending so he could start rejoicing. It ought to break your heart when you know people do not know Jesus Christ in the pardon of their sins. And I would dare say, I know I may get in trouble for this, but unfortunately... We have some people who are pretenders even in the Lord's church. Pretenders. But then the other thing that he wants us to understand is um, that they're wicked. These pretenders are wicked, they're enemies of the cross. When Jesus was here on earth, there were a whole lot of self-righteous people who thought that when they were inflicting pain on Jesus, that they were doing the Lord's work. They thought God was pleased with them. That was Paul's issue. When Paul was persecuting the church before he had a conversion experience, he thought he was doing the work of the Lord. And unfortunately, there are many people who think they're doing the work of the Lord. I think that one of the things that gets me, particularly in, in these, these times, is when I see this polarization in the church. For example, th- there are persons who are Anti-abortion. I'm anti-abortion. But I'm pro-choice. How can you be that? Well, simple, you know. I think that that decision that a woman has to make about her body is between her, her doctor, and God. I want you to hear me. How can you be anti-abortion but then when a child is born not provide for their needs? So if you're anti-abortion but when the child gets here you're not trying to do anything to maintain mortality rate. You're not pro-life. You, you're, only, you're only about womb maturity but then you allow for them to go from the womb to a direct tomb. Watch this. I know I'm, I'm in some deep water right now. We got folks who are against same-sex marriage and that are against the LGBTQ community claiming that you love God but, but Jesus says love your neighbor love your neighbor regardless of where they are. Love your neighbor. Um, We find ourselves in a very tricky bag politically because there's some stuff that's being spewed politically ain't got nothing to do with Jesus. But there are many who claim that it is lot of self-righteous people some of those self-righteous people are enemies of the cross gathered around the cross they mock Jesus the most important symbol of our faith was opposed by some members of the Philippian church they despised the cross in 2020 while there may not be a despising of the cross, there is certainly a mishandling of it. Because now there are people who wear the cross as a status symbol or as a symbol of some superstitious protection rather than understanding the deep meaning of the cross of Calvary. Where there's no cross, there can be no crown. Where there's no cross, there can be no crown. Let me say that again. Where there's no cross, there can be no crown. You and I cannot be enemies of the cross because it is the cross that leads us to the tomb so that we can experience aspect of resurrection I'm gonna stop right there for today next week which is gonna be our last Bible study we're gonna pick up on verses 19 through 21 which is really really deep and uh, we're gonna pick back up on that next week and move forward as far as um, that is concerned and then we will shut down for the rest of this calendar year we will pick back up in January, and we will finish Philippians chapter 4, and then we'll let you know what our next topic of study will be uh, following this lesson. So before I go, I want to check and see, for those that are watching, are there any questions? And if there are not any questions, what I want to do is um, want to make an appeal to you that as we move forward, want to appeal to you as far as giving is concerned. I want to thank many of you all who have been a blessing as far as toys for Tots is concerned. I also want to let you know that today from 3 to 7, there is going to be a, um, uh, a food truck drive giveaway where we're going to have fresh fruits and vegetables along with fresh meat. And you can come here to the parking lot uh, on Central Square. And um, we got 200 boxes that we're going to be giving away fresh produce, and fresh meats from 3 o'clock to 7 o'clock. From 3 o'clock to 7 o'clock this evening, come by and uh, get a box. Amen. Also, I want to make an appeal to you to give. Of course, we can't beat God's giving no matter how hard we try. And you and I are most like God when we give so we're giving you this opportunity right now if you want to bring a check to the church you can call the church to drop off your check or cash or you can mail it to the church at 1401 Allen Street Charlotte 28205 or you can go to our website follow the giving prompts there or you can go to the app called GiveLify, and you can give there and just put it under offering and it will be received or if you want to give your tithes even at this time you can do that as well I would like for us now to go to the Lord in prayer as we close out this moment. God, we come and we thank you, and we want to be more like you. Help us to grow in your grace and in your knowledge. Help us to become more mature. Help us to make the shift from just being happy about salvation to being developed through sanctification, which is authentic discipleship. Help us to not only talk the talk but walk the walk. Let our character, conversation, and conduct be so aligned that we have what is the essence of integrity. Show yourself mighty and strong, O God, in our lives, and let us apply these lessons so we can be more like your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Listen, God bless you. Heaven smile upon you. Uh, Do me this favor. Please, ma'am, please, sir, wear your mask when you're out in public, wash your hands, practice sanitizing, practice physical social distancing, and please, during the holiday season, avoid mass gatherings and even avoid small family gatherings because these numbers for this pandemic continue to climb. I want to see you not only on the other side, I want to see you on this side again Soon and very soon. I love you all. God bless you all. Heaven smile upon you.